Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you live, but it's being recorded if you're listening to, to it on Wednesday, live from Split Rocks in Wyoming, Minnesota, not Wyoming the state, Anthony, Wyoming, Minnesota. Uh, our special guest today, St. Louis Blues athletic beat writer, Jeremy Rutherford, the great Jeremy Rutherford, uh, the guy that in 2019 covered a Stanley Cup champion and then worked till the next season and really hasn't taken a day off since. No, I don't think so. No. Do we have anybody? Oh, here's a Blues yeah, fan. Yeah, Blues fan right blues there fan. wearing his Stanley Cup championship hat. Very nice, just rubbing it into all these wild fans uh, come up here. Uh, are you from Minnesota or St. Louis? Okay, so welcome up to here to Split Rocks, and thanks to everybody for coming out. Thanks to all our sponsors. Uh, thanks to Grain Belt as well. If you are here tonight, uh, we have beer specials, $3.50, uh, Grain Belt on tap, also Nordeast. Um, wild down uh, one nothing in this series after a 4 nothing loss on Monday night to the Blues in Game 1 of the series. Obviously a disappointing start to the series, Anthony and, and Jeremy. Um, one of my friends, Tommy, is like, so he sent me a text. He goes, this is like every wild playoff game I've ever had where I'm just stuck in the uh, river center ramp for 45 minutes trying to leave and not talking to my friend <laughs> next to me. So <laughs> it's just nothing changes. Well... Nothing changes for one game. Yeah. It, this is a best-of-seven series. It's not a one-game thing. It was Billy Huso was great last night. The Wild couldn't finish. The special teams weren't very good. A lot of things were good about the way the Wild played the game, but I'm telling you, the fan outcry after the game and today yeah. has been tenfold the negativity that I expect. I knew it would yeah. be negative. But you, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it's like, you, oh, it's the same old, same yeah. old. It's one game. Yeah. They weren't going to win. They played 82 games this year. They lost 29 of them. They're going to lose again in this series. And it doesn't mean that the season's going to end. They lost a game. It is, it is really interesting. And obviously, I think we all fall into this trap. It's like, yeah, if whatever prediction you make for a series, Jeremy, you know, you blues in six, wild in five, wild in seven. When you're making that prediction, you are predicting that the team that you think is going to win is going to lose one, two, right. or three games. Right. Yet when that one loss happens, it's just like, boom, just <laughs> like explosion. <laughs> I, but I do think the one thing about last night that was just eerily familiar is just is the is the outchancing of your opponent like Jake Allen in game one in 2017 and having all these incredible chances and just being unable to finish. And I think just the way the Wild scored goals this season to have it now go into the playoffs and have it look like a lot, I think that was the one big thing. Yeah, and, the, the, and finish is a part of the game, as is goaltending. Mm -hmm. And their goalie was great last night. Wild's goalie was good. 
Huso is better. And that and that's okay. It, it's a game. And St. Louis is better on the special teams, and they have been all year. They probably will be throughout this series. And there were six power play chances for each side. If it plays out that way throughout this whole series, it's going to be a tough series for Minnesota to win. But if it's more like three power play chances aside, which is what the average was in the league all season, Minnesota's likely to have the upper hand in that way. And, and they did last night. The, the high danger chances five on five through two periods were 11 to two in Minnesota's favor. And yet they were down in the game. So, I, I mean, there's an old, I, I know we've talked about it before. Jeremy, I'd be curious because you're covering a team that's on the other side where fans probably feel invincible today. When you're in the playoffs, when you win a game, you feel like you're never going to lose again. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you lose a game, you feel like there's no way you're ever going to beat this team. And it, it's crazy because you're going to face the same team again the next three, four, five, or six games, and it's going to swing. Both teams are going to win a game in this series. Yeah, let's just say that Blues fans got a little bolder on uh, social media today <laughs> than they were 24 hours ago. Yeah, all of a sudden I, think, I thought I was being followed by a bunch of Avs fans. <laughs> I think is the situation. But no, Anthony, I was working on a Billy Huso story today, and you start to look at the numbers, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go look at Minnesota's offense, and it's you know fifth in the league, 3.52 goals per game. Okay, when's the last time they've been shut out? You had to scroll all the way back to February when they were shut out two nothing to uh, Winnipeg. And so, you know, you have a, a trend here that this offense is a good offense and they're going to score goals. They're going to finish their chances. You know, I think you said 11 high danger chances through two periods. I think it finished at 18, 18 high danger chances. You know, Billy Huso, I've watched him for a long time. He's a good goalie. He's not going to play like that every single night. So I st- still think we're in for a long series. Yeah. I, um, you know, uh, that was, you had just that feeling in the first period yesterday when they, you know, the Wild got, what, three power plays in a row, Anthony, and, you know, uh, Kaprizov got handcuffed on the one, Fiala flubbed the one, Brodine didn't take a shot on one, then flubbed another, Felino robbed by Husson on, on one, and you just felt like, all right, this is, <laughs> this is just, they've got to score here at some point, or this, or this game could really go awry, and it really did happen that way. Yeah, and that, as I mentioned earlier, that's, that's a part of the game. Special teams are mm-hmm. a part of the game. Yeah. And it's not, you can't just dismiss it and say, well, the Wild were better five-on-five. Five. They were. But St. Louis was in the top five in the league on both the power play and the penalty kill, and it showed last night. I mean, even though St. Louis's number was two for six, the reality was, in my mind, they were three for four yeah, yeah. because they had two power plays at the end when they were basically just playing keep away and not even trying to score and scored another that counted even strength, but Kevin Fiala was still sitting in the penalty box when the yeah. puck went in the net. Two seconds and, later. Yeah. yeah, and so it was, I mean, we cut to him. Our camera guy shows the goal, cuts to Fiala sitting in the penalty box, and then they. But it was an even strength goal technically, so essentially three power play goals. And Dean Evison's talked about it all year that we just the games have to be five on five for Minnesota to have a chance. That's true. Either that or the Wild have to cash in on the power play, and they just couldn't last night. And it was part of it has been a, a trend all season. Part of it was last night a, a goaltender that yeah. made some unbelievable saves. The, the, what, what, what's concerning is when you say, "Well, we got to keep," you know, they don't. The, he had a great quote today that said, you know, basically like the Blues don't mind it, we don't want it. There's going to be special teams in this series, you know. We and he's by the way when he talks special teams too, he's talking four on four, and he wants this game to be played five on five. But in a playoff series where you know there's always these goal mouth scrums and all this stuff, there's so many four on four situations or like, you know, the situation yesterday with Greenway taking off the guy's helmet, then F Falk taking off X helmet. There's going to be power plays in this game, so you just 
cannot just rely on that you're going to be able to keep it five on five. And I just look at this at this series as being a little bit concerning now when we see that the Wild's poor special teams that we see us throughout the regular season has now trans gone right into this postseason. And I don't see this is not a new development. Uh, they are not going to just magically fix their special teams right out of the blue here with just some adjustments tomorrow. Do you think so? No. I don't. And I, mean, I, I think you just have to eliminate as many penalties as you can. Yeah. And that, that the Blues power play is interesting to me because they have two dangerous groups. It isn't just yeah. one. Last night it was one that did the damage, but you've been watching these guys all year. They, they both are dangerous, and they both attack in similar fashions that Minnesota's had trouble with all year long, and that is the east to west seam passes on power plays. Everybody struggles with it, but it seems to give Minnesota even more trouble. But those two power play units are, they've got something special with those groups. Yeah, and if you've watched the NHL for a long time, you would figure, right, that Steve Ott, the pest in the league for so many years for (laughs) Dallas Stars, would be uh, running the power play for the Blues and converting it 29% on the road. Uh, They've done a terrific job. You know what, This uh, the Blues do uh, have two really good power play units, and they send them both out there. And Steve Ott's done a terrific job with it. You know, the Blues this year, I think they have, uh, I want to say it's up to about six or seven guys on the team now who have five or more power play goals during the regular season. So it's not just one or two guys, Tarasenko. It's it's pretty well balanced. And, and so they got, uh, you mentioned from one unit last night, uh, but the power play's just been so good. But guys, listen, you know, we talked in our uh, live room a couple days ago that uh, – Let's see how the series is called. Last mm-hmm. night, there were a lot of penalties. Hey, tomorrow night, there might be only three. Yeah. You know, the Blues can't two bank new, on... Two new refs. Yeah, two new refs. The Blues can't bank on winning the series every night on the power play. So I thought the five-on-five five was pretty even. And I think if I'm a Minnesota Wild fan, I'm looking at that going into game two. Well, what was interesting is this year, there were fewer power play chances during the regular season than in any season in NHL history. Fewer power play chances per game per team than ever in the league. It was 2.8 per team per game. And so I kind of thought maybe we'd get into a playoff. And I know that in the playoffs, a lot of times there's more called, especially early, because the intensity's up, the physicality's up, there are more hits, therefore more get called. But I really thought this year maybe it was a trend that would continue into the postseason where we'd, we wouldn't see more calls. And I thought last night they, they called more than had to be called, but most of them, when you looked at them on an individual basis, they were legit. They were penalties. Yeah. And, and they will be again in game two if that happens again in game two. Yeah. I, the Wild have to be more disciplined. They were not disciplined enough last night. I, I will say this, too. I don't think they were nearly as dominant at five-on-five five as they think they were. I, I, I mean, this, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury talked about it before the series, and he mentioned it again last night, that the, the Blues don't waste shots. They, you know, they... they well, at one well, time well, last night, the Blues had 22 shots on goal... They had missed with five. It's crazy. They were 22 out of 27 getting shots through on goal. And that's what he was saying before the series, and he brought it up again yesterday, that he'll have a guy staring at him point blank in the circle, and he will not take the shot because he's actually waiting for the receipt pass or a backdoor play or another play to make a prettier prettier type play. And so, you know, I I just, I'm not, and the other thing is I thought the wild slot uh, shot selection at five on five, there weren't high danger enough. They didn't get a lot of shots through. They were passing up shots. The first period, I thought they looked really jittery. Um, and, and so uh, that's the one thing that I think is also a little bit concerning is, I, I, you know, you could say they didn't finish and they outchanced them and all this stuff, but, but I didn't think five on five. Like, I've seen the Wild get robbed in the playoffs. Jake Allen robbed them in the playoffs. I didn't 
get that feel yesterday. I think they were robbed on the power play, Jeremy, but I didn't feel like five on five that they were just by far the better team. Yeah, and Anthony, going just through the first period, the first 20 minutes, the Blues had 12 shots on goal, none missed and none blocked right. by the Wild. 12-0-0 was the line in that first period. And, uh, you know, you look at this Blues team, they've been really, really selective with their shots. I mean, they have so much balance. They have the nine 20 goal scorers this year. Uh, have you guys ever heard this at Excel where the fans yell, shoot it, shoot, shoot? Yeah, no, a couple no. times. It's just a couple times. Just a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot it. Because the players listen, right? They're right. like, oh, shoot. Okay, Oh, sorry. I should shoot. Yeah, even should though there's eight shin yeah. pads between me and the goal. Yeah. Well, it's even more the case in St. Louis because these guys are super selective. You got three guys on the team that are shooting 20% or better this season, uh, Braden Shen being one of them, uh, Ivan Barbashev being another. You know, that isn't sustainable, obviously, uh, but it's a situation where you, these guys certainly pass up shots to get a more quality shot. Well, I, and I looked at the five-on-five five possession numbers after the game was over, and the shot attempts, I believe, were 44-17, and the shots on goal were 23-15. So it, it was much closer. Usually those attempts give you an idea of how much possession time you have in the offensive zone, and that's why the stat does have some value, because if you're in the zone all the time with the puck, you're bound to have more attempts. But there is something to be said for the efficiency and the shots that they choose to take. I thought St. Louis was good last night in that way. And then the other thing was there were just some, and I hate using the term puck luck because I always believe you create your own luck. And, but there were some last night. There were two rebounds off of Fleury that not only went directly to a St. Louis player, but on his tape in his wheelhouse, yeah, like you was, couldn't have, yeah. you couldn't have made a better saucer pass to yeah. David Perron than than one of them. It Fl- didn't Fleury go to skates. Might as well have been wearing like number thirty six last night right. because it he was like the best playmaker for the. It Blues. was, and it wasn't like it went in his skates or off, where he even had to tee it up or dust it off. It was he was able to one time two rebounds into an empty net, and if that rebound is a couple of inches either way. Maybe he doesn't get all of it, and Fleury's able to recover, as yeah. was the case for Minnesota last night. I, and now the other thing I'll say about Huso is I thought all year he was susceptible to giving away rebounds, and last night I thought he controlled yeah. them pretty well. really good. Um, Jeremy, tell you mentioned Barbashev. Um, he is somebody that uh, in every meeting this year has impressed me. Um, tell, tell Wild fans, I mean, Blues fans obviously know about him, and I'm sure a lot of Blues fans are going to listen to this podcast because who doesn't want to listen to Jeremy? Um, but um, tell, tell Wild fans about Barbashev because, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he is not only a really gifted offensive player, but he's, he's got some, some snarl to his game as well. I mean, he gets under the Wild skin. There's no doubt about it. He does. Well, he's a guy who played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and put up, uh, I want to say, 99 points his last yeah. year in the queue. And so he gets drafted and he comes to St. Louis and they had a lot of skill players. So he became, you know, a third or fourth line guy. And if you recall, the Blues team in 2019 wins the Stanley Cup, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, wearing his hat to prove it. We all know. He played on the fourth line with Alexander Steen and Oscar Sundquist uh, talking about Ivan Barbashev. So Ivan Barbashev and Tarasenko are really close, right? The two Russians. Tarasenko, what did he do this past summer? Ask for a trade? I think Barbashev wanted a trade, too. You know, he just wasn't getting that chance to play higher up the lineup. So Ivan Barbashev goes to the coaching staff and says, give me a bigger role. They said, you have to earn it. You know, if, if you play well, we'll give it to you. He did. And he scored 25-plus goals this season. And he still brings that snarl that you talked about because he's been a third- or fourth-line player his mm-hmm. whole career. But now he's showing some of that skill that he had in the queue. 
David Perron, uh, the guy just kills the wild. Uh, it's just, I was looking at his regular season numbers today. I was actually surprised in the playoff series in 2017. I think he only had one assist in the five games. He's um, almost a point a game player against the wild yeah. in his career. Yeah. I think after last night, yeah. it's 47 and yeah. 52 yeah. if you combine regular season and playoffs. But I thought they, we talk about guys squeezing the sticks and some puck luck. I, think, I don't think it was a coincidence last night that it was the veteran guys for St. Louis that didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment in any way. Right. Where some of the, the wild players, a little less playoff experience perhaps, and we saw some discipline get away, but also some chances elude guys that normally cash in. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was O'Reilly and Perron because Minnesota really – they matched the grief line against the Thomas Buchnevich Tarasenko line, and they were invisible. It was expected goals for were like 80 20 in Minnesota's favor yeah. in that matchup. But it was the Perron O'Reilly Sod line that was a handful last night. Yeah, great, uh, great job by that grief line against uh, the Thomas line. And I've watched that Thomas line all season, and they've just been on a roll lately. That's the best I've seen them defended in quite a long time. Kind of funny story in the post game last night, Mike. So David Perron has the hat trick, and you know, his first 57 games, playoff games, he had four playoff goals. Now he has something like 14 playoff goals in his last 35 playoff games. That goes along with what you're saying. The, the veterans really, you know, stepped up. And so I said, David, you've evolved into this playoff player. You know, what led to that? And he said, you know what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what he said at the podium. And then as he walked off, he walked past me and he said, check my ice time with Hitch. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is funny. And, uh, man, it had to be it. You could tell in the post game that, you know, Flurry was, was, was upset. I mean, you know, because it's his buddy, right? I mean, their wives are super close. Uh, they played together in Pittsburgh and Vegas. Um, same agent. Uh, and he basically teed up three goals for him. Um, and he just always seems to seems to seems to kill this team. It's just something. Tell, what do you think? You know, I know I know that you looked up a lot of numbers today too about um, you know what the what the Blues did to Kaprizov uh, last night. Uh, you know, Letty I thought really was really good in that game. Um, wh why do you think Kaprizov was so ineffective, Jeremy? Well, you know, he, first of all, he's not going to be ineffective uh, the rest of the series. But I thought last night the Blues did a good job defending him. You know, first of all, uh, the Blues had a situation, everybody's familiar with Marco Scandella playing for the Blues now. He has a uh, situation with his knee, he had a knee-on-knee -knee hit the other day, so did not play last night. He's been playing in that top pair with Colton Pareko. Well, because they didn't have him, they had to reconfigure the defensive pairs, and they put Nick Letty up with Colton Pareko. Hey, listen, say what you want to say about Nick Letty, that his prime was five or six years ago, and he wasn't the top guy at, at uh, the trade deadline. He's been great for the Blues. Great skater, gets the puck out, does a good job with Colton Pareko. So I felt like they did a good job. Uh, the numbers that I looked up, I think it was natural stat trick. They were uh, five minutes of even strength ice time against the Kaprizov line, and they limit him, you say limited him, you know, five shots. So, you know, pretty good job. To the entire know. line. But, but like yep. uh, Anthony said, you know, those guys had their chances. Kaprizov right on the doorstep, yep. you know, had yeah, a he chance. Had nine shot attempts. It, it felt different than right. last year in the playoffs. Kaprizov, I think he had 10 shots on goal in the whole series. The whole series, series yeah. And he had five last night. He had some chances last night, but I thought, you know, he and Kevin Fiala were just, they were a little off last night. They were both still like 50% on the expected goals for when they were on the ice, but we've just seen them at such a higher level than that no most doubt. nights. And, and uh, Fiala's last two games of the regular season, not great. 
So, um, you know, and that went into last night, and, and I think that he is, you could tell that one, what, one, one timer in the first period where he just shanked it. I, I just, I think he is putting so much pressure on himself right now to score and to be somebody that could lead this team um, to something special. By the way, again, uh, Jeremy Rutherford, you can follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford, and he and I are going to do a live room on Wednesday, too, at 2 o'clock, and we're going to do that on Game 5 as well. Um, Anthony, um, you know, the big story, obviously, coming into today, this morning, was Jared Spurgeon and, and the, the play with um, Pavel Buchnevich last night. Um, really, really uncharacteristic of Jared Spurgeon. Uh, you could tell today that he did uh, feel terrible um, about it. Um, were you surprised that he didn't get suspended? And how fortunate are the Wild that he didn't get suspended? I, I didn't think it was even close to warranting a suspension. I thought it was a finable deal, but if that was a suspension, then we'd have guys in jail here recently. <laughs> I mean, I, I go back to that cross-check on Kulikov in the last mm-hmm. game of the regular season. That was vicious. And at full speed, the, the hit McDermott made on Felino. I mean... If those aren't suspendable hits, this is not. I mean, it was it was a bad decision by Spurgeon. It was out of line. I think the fine was warranted. Yeah. It would have. I would have been really surprised if there was a suspension. See, I, you know, I do. I, I disagree. I, I, I think that it. I mean, you know, when with a minute and a half left in a three, three it was two and a half, two fifty left in that game. Um, a retaliatory play, violent to the back of his. I mean, if he didn't get up. I don't think we'd see Jared Spurgeon probably the rest of the playoffs. I mean, honestly, it was it was it was a dirty play. It was, it was dirty, ba- but I didn't unfrust- think it was. I didn't think it was vicious. It was mm-hmm. dirty, but it. I I don't know. Maybe I maybe I didn't see it right, and maybe it was there was a little more to it than what I saw. But to me, I thought it weren't it warranted a penalty. It warranted a fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think any more than that. By the way, Jake Ensel has two goals tonight. Does that help me in our playoff matchup? It doesn't. <laughs> the playoff matchup is over, oh, okay. which you know we we should acknowledge that it was a two game sweep. It wasn't close, and the scribes. I, I mean, it's great that you finally made it to the finals. But <laughs> when does my Venmo come in with my money? By the way, I, I still haven't gotten that. Right. I just want everybody to know that. So right. Dan Myers owes me fifty bucks, and he owes me money too. We yeah. sent it to Hartman. What was We're, your? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Shen. <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah, there was uh, somebody had a funny line on Twitter to say, say like, and this was Wild fans. By the way, I was shocked at how many Wild fans were actually on the side of like suspension today, and this is a beloved Jared Spurgeon, um, but. Um, you know, Shen had a subtle comment today yeah. that said, Did you hear this, yeah, no. he basically said, he goes, uh, you know, he, uh, the one thing I will say is Shen did in his, in his soliloquy basically say that Jared, Sp- it was clearly frustration and that Jared Spurgeon is not that type of player. But then he at, said, yeah, at the very end, he says, uh, you know, we really can't, you know, dictate what happens. The league makes that decision. All I know is uh, we have a game against him tomorrow. He didn't say them. He said yeah. him. And we know Shen. Shen is a tough. I mean, Sh- yeah. Shen, we don't look at Shen as a really. Pl- I mean, maybe the yeah. I thought maybe the one of the worst hits of the game last night was Shen's yeah. hit that wasn't yeah. called on Dumbo, right. which is why yeah. you know, which is of course I brought that up on Twitter and Blues fans attacked me. What? But, uh, um, but you know what's interesting they is did not. Um, yeah, I know. I think they were Avalanche fans disguised. <laughs> um, so uh, the the interesting thing about that whole situation is. Like Shen is the type of guy. I mean, that he he plays a hard game. Yep. Like I, I like have Shen a, lot a lot of respect for him. I, yeah. I like his game a lot. Yeah, I just I don't know. I still don't know. Years later, how how Doug Armstrong got him from Crazy. Philadelphia. They literally sent Yuri Laterra, and they did send a couple first round draft picks who Philly turned into Morgan Frost and you know somebody else. But uh, Braden Shen has just been terrific. Yeah. Um, 
really, really interesting to me that uh, that like we're going to go into a playoff series tomorrow where Jared Spurgeon is going to have to have his head on a swivel. And when we go to St. Louis on Friday, of all players, every time Jared Spurgeon, Spur- Jared Spurgeon touches the right. puck, he's going to get booed. Jared, little Jared Spurgeon. Right. And that might be part of the reason why I watched the play and I was like, I, know. I, I don't even so, know if the guy, yeah. did the guy even feel it? I mean, he'd be, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 152 He pounds. did kind of look I mean, around like, what the are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Um, but apparently, I didn't see it, but somebody said that when he was going to the bench, he actually fell. I don't know. Uh, but he I was out there that. the next I didn't shift. didn't see that. But thank God he got up because honestly, I didn't see it live. And, uh, and then I was sitting in the press room and somebody tweeted me a copy of uh, Tony X who yeah. was made famous uh, several years ago. And, um, and, uh, and I saw it. I'm like, what? Like, I actually had to double check that that just happened in that game. Like, I just didn't even see it live. Uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, if you want to, we have a mic up here. If you want to come up and ask a question, uh, feel free to come on up. Again, Grain Belt specials tonight, $3.50 for uh, Grain Belt on tap, also Northeast as well. Um, Anthony. Let's, uh, let's yep. go back to the, the decision that was most talked about heading into the series was the goaltending decision, yeah. and really for both teams. Mm-hmm. And you had Bennington, a guy who has led a team to a cup, Came in in a similar spot to where Huso came in this year to take his job basically down the stretch. And the Blues opted to go with the younger, less experienced guy, where Minnesota went with the guy who's won three cups rather than the guy who statistically was probably playing better down the stretch. I thought both decisions were interesting. I thought both were the way they went the way I thought they would go. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting that both teams were in that debatable spot about who their goaltender. And you're talking about two of the hottest teams in the league heading in, yeah. and yet both had questions as to who would start game one. No doubt about it. Um, I'm still, I still don't like the decision. Um, I still think that Cam Talbot deserved to start, and I'll be interested what happens tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. The, the rebounds that Marc-Andre Fleury gives up and the way then, and look, this has been his style his entire career. He relies on his athleticism and all that stuff. But the, re, the rebounds that he has given up lately to take himself out of position, I asked, uh, you weren't at practice today because you're on the golf course. Um, some of us. I was prepping. Some of us were working <laughs> today. I was with my producer. Um, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> So I did ask today, you know, you pulled up the stat uh, back in February that the Wild had given up the fewest rebound shots in the NHL. And now it feels like not only are they giving up rebound shots left and right, but when Fleury's in, they're giving up rebound goals left and right. And obviously, you rely on your defensemen to clear these pucks. Um, last night, Kulikov was out of position on a couple, Spurgeon on the O'Reilly and, Spurgeon and Kulikov on the O'Reilly goal. But you also have a goalie that's, you know, the one thing about Cam Talbot is he puts those pucks into corners. And Flurry is putting them onto sticks. It's almost like we're in, like, reverse mode here because for about a year and a half, I kept telling you that I, that's why I like Cam Talbot better than Kapo <laughs> Kakinen. You kept arguing with him that Kakinen should be the number one goalie. Because, but I love the way Talbot controls rebounds. And I will say, if it had been my decision, I think I would have gone Cam Talbot. But I thought from the day they acquired Fleury, yeah. there was no doubt he was going to get the game one start. And it's hard to argue with that when you've got a guy with his pedigree, three cups, 163 playoff games, and he played well when he came here. It isn't like, Nine he, and two. It isn't like he came in and was lit up. I mean, he was... He was probably just as good as Cam Talbot was down the stretch. 
I just think it was an easier decision to look in and say, let's say you knew you were going to lose game one. Mm-hmm. If you had lost game one with Cam Talbot on the bench, would it be easier to look yourself in the mirror or to explain your decision than it would have been to say we lost game one and had the Hall of Famer yeah. sitting on the bench? Yeah. Um, but now what do you do in game two? I think you almost have to go back to Flurry now. I, I mean, go back to Flurry. Yeah, I think Stay so. I think you have to. I think he played well enough last night. Mark Andre Flurry is not the reason they lost last night. I mean, he, Huso was better than him, but your team scored zero, and yeah. no matter what Flurry did, they weren't yeah. going to win that game. And he stopped the penalty shot off the hop. Right, and really on the couple power play goal, three power play goals essentially. I, I think you almost have to go back to Flurry. Yeah. But now, if either he loses or the Wild win a high-scoring game where he's not sharp, then I think yep. then you'd go to Cam in game three. Uh, Jeremy and I were just uh, on the way up here. We were talking to Lunani on the phone, and he's convinced they'll 100% go to Cam Talbot. And the only reason why I don't I agree with you and not Louie on this is that in the la- last night and again today, Dean was doing everything to deflect criticism away from Flurry and put it right onto the defense and things like that and kind of poo-pooing the whole rebound thing. Um, Remember last year when I used the word poo-poo in a press conference to Dean? He's like, what's poo-poo? What do you mean poo-poo? Uh, <laughs> I put in an article the other day. I do, too. I love that word. My grandmother used to say it. Everybody know what poo-poo well, means? What about so, on the St. Louis side, though? I mean, it was, I know that there was some doubt or there were some questions. Was it really a question or did was it known all along that this was Huso's job? I don't think so. I think the only way I is... I broke it on Twitter. I told him that the starting goalie rhymes with, with Russo. <laughs> I think the only way, Anthony, is if they said, you know what, as good as Huso's been you know, most of the season and as much as Bennington struggled, Jordan Bennington's won a Stanley Cup. He can take us there. You know, We need to put him in there. But I, I don't... I don't think anybody in St. Louis thought that Jordan Bennington was going to start. What really gets me, and this ties into Minnesota, is the fact that two guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents here in a few months, uh, Jordan Bennington and Marc-Andre Fleury, were in the net last night, whereas you have Jordan Bennington who has five more years left on his contract and Talbot who has one more, right? So you're going to go to... uh, training camp next uh, September and say, hey, Cam, hey, Jordan, remember remember us? We need you. Right. <laughs> right. So it's the two guys with term who were sitting on the bench last night. But no, so uh, Huso, they've really had a lot of faith in him, and he showed them why last night. I know it's hard to believe, but warm weather is coming and arriving quick. Make sure you are well prepared for this summer's heat and get your AC tuned up for my friends over at Aquarius Home Services. Take advantage now with their special spring offer. $55 for an AC tune-up. That's right, only 55 bucks. Aquarius Home Services heating and cooling experts will come to your home and provide a comprehensive 21-point inspection. I could tell you from the experience, the folks over at Aquarius do an amazing job and their customer service is always top-notch. Aquarius believes in their earning the right to be recommended, which is why I always recommend them. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. The Shira family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. 
So a friend of the show reached out to me on Twitter today and asked how they get in touch with Profile, and I sent to, I sent him and his girlfriend to Deb at uh, Profile, and uh, there's so many choices out there to lose weight. Uh, believe me, I've tried them all, uh, but I finally found the one that works. Uh, Profile is a full-fledged wellness program. My Profile Health Coach Deb designed a plan that was custom-tailored just for me. It incorporates my nutrition, my exercise habits, my lifestyle choices, my travel habits, everything. Um, I have more energy. I feel feel sometimes good. Uh, profile worked for me and it could work for you too. Don't delay. Visit profileplan.com slash twin cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them Russo sent you again. That's profileplan.com slash twin cities. Uh, I just, uh, so you know how on, uh, on your iPhone, you can go in your search and type in a word and it'll come up in the text. So I typed in poo poo to find my text to Dean Everson. It was March, it was May, March 13th, 2021, where I sent him a text explaining what I meant by the poo-poo question. <laughs> I, like, I won't read the whole text, but I blamed it on my mom. So, uh, um, so I mean, but you, you definitely think, like, the, my, I guess my thing is if you don't come back to Talbot tomorrow, like, when are you? You know, all of a sudden, if they lose game two, you're going to go to Talbot and put him in St. Louis where he just has gotten shellacked the last couple of years? I think if they lose game two without him in, he for sure plays game three in right. St. Louis. Right, but that's no my what. point. It's like you almost like, <laughs> let's put him in the home game where he almost yeah. never loses. I, I mean, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of Cam Talbot as a goaltender, as a person, as a leader on this team, as a take responsibility. I mean, you wouldn't have to convince me yeah. that they should play Talbot. I'm just, I'm guessing. I haven't talked to Dean about this at all. I was just guessing he'd probably if, stick with Fleury. If you had to guess... And maybe we should have. Uh, maybe we should invite back Bill Guerin, who was our guest last week. Do you think this is a Dean Evison coaching staff decision, or do you think this is Bill wow. Guerin's decision? Listen I think it is less than point zero 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 one percent Bill Guerin. Really? It is one hundred percent the coaching staff, and it's. I I've felt from the beginning that this was Dean's plan. I thought it was the way he laid out the. The, the way the goaltenders played every other night, then we're going to give Cam two, Marc-Andre Fleury three, to, and then they're going to split back-to-backs at the end. I think from the beginning, unless one guy had taken control of it down the stretch, as long as they both were playing well, I think his plan right from the beginning was to play Marc-Andre Fleury. And I don't think, I don't think the general manager... I, I don't think he went in there and said, I want you to play this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure they ran the decision by him, but... I don't, and I don't think if they had said we want to play Cam, I don't think Billy would have made them change their minds. I, I think this is 100% the coaching staff. Maybe I'm looking too much into this, but when I kept reading Dean's you know, quotes about the situation, and he said it's an easy decision, easy decision. I thought that was weird. I thought that was I weird. think it's a strange way to word it. I think what he's saying is he couldn't make a bad decision. Yeah. That either guy was that makes worthy more sense. of it. I don't yeah. think yeah. – I asked him that one time after when we were walking out in the hallway, and I said, you keep saying it's an easy decision. Isn't it a hard decision? And he said, well, it's easy because they're both good. And I said – Okay, yeah. so that just means that whichever decision you make, you're not going to be wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, what he probably meant is, you're right, is I'm that you can't read no the newspaper decision. going. Well, that's exactly. the way I think. First of all, nobody reads the newspaper. <laughs> I, Second of all, I'm trying to tee you up. I yeah. get the newspaper every day. <laughs> I get harassed by my yeah. kids for it. They think I'm the only one who still gets a paper copy of the newspaper delivered yeah. to their Do house. Do you know that, uh, Anthony, should we actually uh, maybe call the athletic headquarters and let them know that Anthony uses his wife's account? Oh. Like, don't you think they should have two as a family? That's breaking two. the rules. We've got, we 
we have like six people using it. <laughs> so uh, I, I, it's maybe so a funny. few of their friends too. There was this uh, there was this guy on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and you could tell that he was like yeah, he was a young guy. I don't know college or high school, and he he said to me he was like super nice to like somebody that was like ripping me on Twitter. So I wrote I said, hey, if you're not an athletic subscriber, I'll I'll get your account for you. And he writes me back, and he goes, "I'm I'm uh, I'm embarrassed to say I use my dad's account, but you know." And I'm like, "Well, don't like I'm, I know I'm breaking the rules." I'm like, "Don't worry about it." Um, so anyway, um, you know, I I, I I I the only that's the other thing. Like I and I wrote this in my story the other day on 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 Talbot and Flurry is that you know I do th wonder how like there's no doubt that Talbot is being professional about this, and if we p ask him tomorrow about this, he's gonna be professional about it, but deep down, he's gotta be hurt by this. And he's the guy that's under contract next year, so I also think that you're creating this dynamic where you acquired Marc-Andre Fleury, because what I don't care, like, I know Bill Guerin was between us last week telling us, well, I have never had a concern with Mark on, with uh, Cam Talbot. That, that is, you don't go out and get Cam, you don't go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury if you weren't a little worried about Cam. Now you're not starting him in the playoffs. Now let's say you don't bring back Marc-Andre Fleury next year, and now you're coming into training camp saying, Cam, you're our number one. We have yeah, all the faith in the world That's what Jeremy was just saying about both goalies. Yeah. They're in that same spot, and I agree with that. I, I don't think that's a factor, but, I mean, all these guys, they've all handled it well. Mm -hmm. Nick Bukestad, being, he's had a great season every time he's been in the lineup, and yet mm -hmm. Alex Goligoski, he's out. I mean, they're all – you know they all would like to be in the lineup, and they'll all say the right things – and Cam has said the right things, but I'm sure behind the scenes, inside, it, somewhere deep down, he wants to be the guy. Galagoski plays for Kulikov tomorrow, don't you think? No? I don't know. The only thing that makes me wonder is that he said there's going to be adjustments on the power play tomorrow. And I don't know if that adjustment means Dumba, because it looked to me like Dumba can't shoot. I mean, did you see him come on on that two-on-one yesterday and didn't even think of shooting the four on, uh, when he was on the four-on-four? Yeah, and, you know the only thing I mean they've gone to one defenseman, four forwards on both power plays, and it down the stretch it made that top power play a lot better, but they weren't good last night. I I don't know. I hope it's not an overreaction to one night where they didn't yeah. score because they've been good. They've was it, I think it was seven power play goals in their last five games of the regular season. They were getting opportunities. They it's I, I hope it's not an overreaction to that, but maybe it's going back to two defensemen on the second group. I'm not sure. Yep. Hey, Mike, this is the writer in me here, but I'm looking at these two sweatshirts, and I see the Kirill, mm -hmm. and uh, I wrote his name in my article today that I've already turned in, and I'm like, thank God I spelled it right. So like, <laughs> the, this sweatshirt showed me that I spelled it right. At least yeah. it, it's spelled right on that, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the TV <laughs> guys so. only worry about how you pronounce it. It doesn't <laughs> right. matter how it's spelled. <laughs> I remember I, I, I had a really weird senior moment, like second or third year that Dubnik was on the team where I typed his first name in an article, and I'm like, I was n I could not figure out if I typed his first name wrong. Right. You know, like, I didn't know if it was an A, an I, an O, and I just could not get it in my head. It actually had to open up the media guide or go Google it just to make sure what his spelling was. It so, was bizarre. So Mike and I probably have those situations where you just wake up in the middle of the night, oh, did I have this wrong? Or What about TV guys? Well, my wife makes sure I know about it before I go yeah, to sleep. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, okay, so this one time, you said it was Delorier, and it was really Eric Sinek. I was like, oh, just. <laughs> Somebody tweeted me the other night, because at Russo Hockey is, Anthony LaPanta okay tonight? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know I, if you made a mistake on a goal or what. Not on a goal, but I did call Delorier, Eric Sinek this one night. And it's four, one's 44, oh, they're, one's 14. Yeah. They're and I didn't catch which guy came off the bench, and I got it wrong. 
but I hear about it about four seconds after it happens via text, and then I hear about it when I get home that, well, did you get enough sleep last night? Were you out too late? How do you get 14 and 44 mixed up? And oh, my goodness. So I personally don't lose sleep over it. It bothers me a little bit, but my wife makes sure I hear about it before I go to sleep. So. Yeah, that's why we all love Margo. Yeah. Question. Yeah, guys. A uh, couple. I figured I better come up here quick because you were talking about Flurry and my son Yari uh, wanted to make sure that I asked uh, any chance that the Wild uh, re-sign him for next year. This is for my 12-year-old in Brainerd. Are you a Yari Curry fan? Yeah, we were. I was a Yari Curry fan, and uh, um, we named obviously we named Yari uh, after Yari. Uh, Curry. So Yari Curry Tufty Oss is is our uh, little guy. But uh, actually, we were listening yeah. to you on the radio. So wait, 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 wait. So he's so named, named after your- Riley Tufty, yeah. too? No, after Gavin Tufty. Gavin, uh, Gavin Tufty okay. scored a game winner for a big game winner yeah. for us, and that's I, where I the name came Gavin in. Tufty. Yeah. Uh, Should so, we all sing you happy birthday, by the no, way? No, no, don't, don't oh, yeah. do that. But Yari. Does uh, everybody know who this is? No, they don't know who I am. Yeah. Hey, this is Nick Bukestead's high school coach right wow. here. Yeah. Yeah. And Maddie Hendricks, right? Were you Maddie? No, or you I, came after me? No, okay. right before. before. I, I yeah. wish, yeah. No. Did you coach John Krasinski in football? That's what I want. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, we were actually listening to uh, K-Fan, and you were on about a month ago. And I, taught, I said, Yari, hey, let's call in. We were heading down to a tournament. I said, I know Mike a little bit. Ask your question about Flurry, and he was, you know, too nervous to do it. Oh, but you I, should definitely I, call next time. I, I told him tonight I would definitely come yeah. in. So uh, that's part one. And then part two, we've got a little viewing crew up in Brainerd, Darren Olson, Kurt King, and Chad Cleffman. We watch, I bet you, 40 of the games together this winter. Darren Olson wants to know, <clears throat> propose the trade of Zegris, for Fiala. Do you think that would be a good trade? <laughs> right, first of all, um, Darren Olson could ask me that on Twitter because he tweets me like every second. I recognize <laughs> that name. Yeah. Um, uh, Zegers for Fiala, I'd be for it. <laughs> Personality-wise, I, I mean, Billy has great respect for him. Um, and uh, and uh, I think if he plays well, I think, you know, Billy made a joke about Kevin Fiala the other day in our press conference, and I, I'm always of that opinion that every joke, there's a little truth to it. And when we were asking about Fiala's future here, he, he, he joked, quote, unquote, you're only as good as your last game. But I think there's some truth to that. I think he's looking at it and being like, well, you know, all right, you had a great regular season. Let's see you do it in the playoffs because you didn't last year. So let's see if you do it this year. And maybe that'll change my mind on how I handle this postseason. And I think it's the same with Flurry. If all of a sudden, you know, Flurry goes on this run in the postseason like we've seen him have before. It, I think it will change the complexion in a large part, in partly because of what I also just said about Talbot and how now all of a sudden you have this dynamic where you're going to go into next season and you didn't even use the guy that's under contract next year. So, yeah. and I and I love Flurry. Like I, I just, I love his personality. Always positive, all that. But I, I disagree with you. I think a hundred percent Talbot should go tomorrow night. Yeah. Well, no, the, I you I trust it's I I think he should too. I mean, and I and the thing about Flurry is the I, I'm not even so much concerned about the rebounds, but what I've seen is like when he's sliding across. It seems like he never puts the brakes on. He yeah. slides so far that he gets himself out of the net yeah. a lot. He almost looks like he's too athletic sometimes yeah. to yes. me. Where yeah. he's and he'll make. 
I thought going it's into the, and I, I know him. this is overly simplifying it, but I felt going into the series, if I felt like I needed a guy to steal a game for me, Marc-Andre Fleury's got a better chance to do that than Cam Talbot. But if I feel like I just need the guy to win the game he's supposed to win, Cam's the guy. And and that's that's why I would have leaned Cam in game one and maybe ridden him as long as he could. So tell us about the uh, tell us about Nick Bukestead in high school. Tell us about well, actually, uh, so Dave Oss was the head coach at Blaine when on the coldest hockey day we've ever had up in Roseau, Aaron Ness was playing for Roseau at the time. Correct. Yep. And Mike Lee was their goalie, right? Mike was, Lee was their goalie. Outstanding. Yep. And Nick Bukestead was playing for Blaine, and it was so cold that they had they had put the conduit the what do you call the culvert pipes? Or culvert pipes, yeah. yeah. And put these huge steno heaters underneath them. The players had said they didn't want to go out for their next shift because it was warmer sitting on these. This is what the benches were. Were these? You said said that he could like had frostbite, like he couldn't feel his toes for like a week. Yeah, most yeah. of the guys couldn't. Well, and if you talk to Scott Oliver, if the Rosa coach at the time, if you were to ask Ollie today, he would. He still says that he thinks that that costs the Rams a state championship that year because. That game was only, I think, three three weeks prior, and I know we had a number of kids that had lingering headaches and were sick mm-hmm. for like a week after. And the 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 worst part of our trip is when we went back to Lake of the Woods High School or to the rink to shower. I mean, the rink was. I mean, the locker room had to been minus thirty. Then we got on our bus. Uh, we didn't have quite as as yeah, your, quite the your right. Your trip you home did, was better but, than mine. But we had no heat. On our bus, the heat went out, so we had kids uh, bundled up. It was, uh, I mean, I'll never regret playing in the game. It was, it was unbelievable. It was really cool, but I, I, it, it, it was also, you know, weather like you just wouldn't believe. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was, it was so cold, and the setting was really cool. It was on Bedette Bay in Bedette, and. It was right outside. The, it was the VFW bar, right? That was yep. up on the hill, and they so they put these temporary bleachers in that held about a thousand or maybe fifteen hundred people, and that's where Kevin Gorg and I sat to do the game, yeah. right in the middle of the bleachers. And when the period would end, everybody else went inside the bar, and all of a sudden we'd look around. We're the only two people left in the bleachers <laughs> to do our intermission shows and everything. And they extended the intermissions to try to give guys time to warm up and. I just I remember talking to Scott Oliver the night before they had the banquet, which was they had to drive yeah. like yep. twenty minutes yep. or twenty, and I just remember he had this heavy like northern Minnesota accent, and I'm not gonna put my guys on a bus to go twenty five <laughs> miles to have a piece of cake, <laughs> and and we were like ah. But, bud, you got to come to the game. Do you understand yeah. how bad this would be if you didn't show up for the game? And Because they, they almost didn't – he didn't well, want to come. Yeah, he, he called me actually at about 7 a.m. I was uh, in my room with my assistant, Jeremy Tammy. The phone rang. I picked it up, and he goes, hey, have you looked outside? And we stayed at the American there in Roseau, and there's a, there's a hardware store right next to it. And I just cracked the, the blind and looked out, and I go, it doesn't look that bad to me. And he goes – Step outside. I said, no, no, no. He goes, well, I think we should play at Memorial Building in Roseau. And I said, Ali, we didn't come all the way up here to play an indoor game. We came up here to play an outdoor game. And he said, well, our AD doesn't think we should play and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, we want to play. We came up here for a reason. And thankfully, you know, he he agreed to that. But it was... And we've had some other cold days over the years, but nothing like that. Kevin Gorg and I went to, the day before, the forecast was that this 
this front was going to come through because the day before it was pleasant. It was like 25 degrees and, but they said this front is coming through. So we went to this outdoor store in downtown Bidette and just said, we need the, whatever the best cold weather gear is you have and bought these boots that they said were tested for minus 70 or something like that and bought gloves and hat. We bought everything they had. And we get up in the morning, we're sitting in this little cafe having breakfast, and I was like, I don't know, that maybe the forecast was wrong. It's, look out, it's great, it's warm, it's, all of a sudden we're about halfway through breakfast, Gorgie says, hey, look out the window now. And it was snowing sideways like a whiteout. <laughs> this front had come through, and on the backside of the front was the unbelievably cold weather. And it was, it was something, it was, it was a day I'll never forget, and I know we joke about it, yeah. your bus had no heat, well, Gorgie's van had no windshield or roof by the time we were done <laughs> after he rolled it over into a ditch on the way home. But it, yeah, where uh, we, it, uh, the winter, the, so hockey day, I think we were in St. Louis that year, right? I'm almost positive that we were in St. Louis when I found out that you and Gorgie were in that car accident. Uh, nope. Cause hockey no? day has only been in St. Louis once. And I was there with the oh, wild. Okay. It's it was the, the wild were at home that night. Okay. I don't remember who they were playing, but there's only been one night. For what hockey year day, was this? The, what year was it? This was the second year, so it was this 20 year two. I think they had done it in Baudette the year before. Yeah, as it was well. two years in a row in Baudette, yeah. so I think it was 2004. No, like, it couldn't have no, been because I was I'm in sorry. No, 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 no. It would have been. I meant 14. It was, I think it was 13. No, it was before that. No, Bugi was the ninth grader yeah, that year, seven, so it would have been 2008 uh, or nine. Okay. Eight, yeah, probably. I think that's right. Jeremy, I think that's what happened to the off. Wild last night is that they had uh, uh, lingering headaches from the Winter Classic. <laughs> yeah. I, think. I well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate <laughs> yep. you guys. Dave, doing happy great birthday, job. buddy. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate yep. it. That is Dave Oss. Uh, and who, uh, prayers to your father, yeah, too, yeah. by the way. Yep. Yep. His father was a legendary hockey coach as well, Whitey Oss. He's got a brother who was a hockey coach. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of hockey in that family. Yeah, that's awesome that uh, Tufty is. Uh, in, in a, you, do you have Grant like Tufty, number 22, right? For you guys? I think Gavin was 22. Yeah. So uh, when I was, uh, so I always do the stories uh, going into the draft on the top Minnesotan in, uh, before every draft year. And so Bukestad and Riley Tufty are obviously very, very close. And what's really funny is that I interviewed them at the same exact Caribou in Blaine, uh, like a couple years later, uh, you know, Several years later, actually, I guess. Like, how, how, what are the ages between Nick and Tufty? Yeah, so it would have been like four or five years later, and we're, we're sitting here. I'm like, yeah, coincidentally, you know, I sat here with uh, with uh, Nick Bukestad four or five years ago. Um, it's something about that. Like every Minnesotan top player, they like, hey, where do you want to meet? They like go to Caribou. That's where I met Brock Besser for the first time at the Caribou up in Burnsville. Now is the time. Uh, now you get. Uh, you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation, and the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home ha- hassle-free. That means no showings, no open house, no stress. Just choose when you want to move and you will close with confidence. The Wall Street Journal named Chris Lindahl Real Estate the number one real estate team in Wisconsin and Minnesota for closed transactions. One of their clients, Dino, said, quote, we got a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl. 
real estate and in 24 hours above market value. And we got to stay until we found our new home. It was smooth, easy, and stress-free. I cannot recommend Christendahl Real Estate enough. The Christendahl Real Estate guaranteed offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to christendahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Kowalski is the place to go if you're entertaining or having a great meal. I shared with you last week about their Berkshire ham that is phenomenal, that it's basically the Akaushi is to steak like Berkshire is to ham. And hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a few people stop me. I went to a different Kowalski's the other day and had a few people stopping me and they're going through their phones with a picture of a meal that we had prepared at home and said, hey, tell me what this is. I want to, um, this is what I want to make. And so it's kind of fun when people stop you in the store and they'll usually make comments like, I've heard you talk about Kowalski's. It's interesting to see you here. So when you're entertaining or having a big meal, got to start with the best ingredients for that. Go to Kowalski's. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, look at him. Str- like extra strut in his step. Here That's comes how the we blues dance fan. in St. Louis. Yeah, here comes the blues fan. Just letting us all know that they have one more Stanley Cup than the Wild. It took long enough. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to narrow cast too much on you guys. I got a lot of questions that we can talk after, but um, <laughs> I have a, I guess, something that would make sense to everybody here, a Marco Scandella question. So right, wrong, or indifferent, he has somewhat become the whipping boy among Blues fans this year. He should be on the power play, Anthony, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> and so I have lived here long enough for his career and saw what he looked like with Minnesota. And he's somewhat of a different player through going through Buffalo and Montreal. But uh, I don't think he was skating again today with how Mikola or how Nico Mikola's played. Do you think he's going to draw back in even if he is ready or where, where do you think the team is on getting Scandella back if he's ready to come back? Yeah, I personally don't think he'll be back for game two. He had the knee on knee hit last week and uh, did not play in game one. He had practiced leading into game one, but then uh, they did not play him. Did he uh, practice today? He did not practice today. They only had a few guys out there for the optional. And uh, But more importantly, Craig Bruby loved Nico Mikula's game last night, and so even if Scandella, I think, said, hey, I'm ready to go, I think they'd keep Mikula in there uh, for that uh, physicality that he brought last night. So, you know, I've kind of been part of that whipping boy with Scandella. I think the first half of the season, you know, he didn't play as well as uh, you probably hope he would, and he was in that top pair with Colton Pareko. But to his credit, he's played well here the last, you know, month, two months, so he's been good. I think they, you know, if they did make a little bit of a run, they'd miss him, but I think for the time being, uh, Nikola is probably the better player for tomorrow night. The, the way that he played in the last uh, last meeting in St. Louis, Anthony, I think uh, the Wild would like him in the lineup. I've always defended Marco because his name ends in a vowel, so he, and yeah. he's got and great he gave, Italian and he t- restaurant and he sent us to Del- recommendations. To, yeah, he sent us to Emma in uh, Montreal for the first yeah, time, which is Although then favorite. the second place he tried to send us was yeah. blown up in a mob hit, so yeah. it was... I, I've only taken him for... But I, there are a few other Damn cities though, he's given me. 
Yeah. Marco's a great dude. Yeah. Um, uh, but I thought Mikolo was really good yesterday. I thought, you know, for him to go up against Felino the way he did, that showed some some courage. And, and, and you were talking about that earlier. He went up against uh, Sidney Crosby. Who else? He, oh, uh, I think Tom Wilson. He's going after a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry? So welcome to Minnesota, Jeremy. Oh, uh, last you. time, <laughs> you, I, thought, I was hoping to see you here at the uh, Tuttles here for right before the Winter Classic, which turned out to be yeah, quite a show here for, uh, for the Blues here for Cairo. Yeah. So I was the guy that asked uh, about uh, back when I was a kid here, when I used to read a magazine here, because that's when uh, video games started taking off here, the NHL 2K series. Back then, when the, one of the highest rated teams was the St. Louis Blues with Al McInnes, yeah. Chris Pronger, Pablo Dimitra, Pierre Tuggeren. So those here, about the average rating here, about 90. A <laughs> couple seasons have about uh, 100% points, maybe. I think, was it four years in a row? So um, when you look at this team, you know, the St. Louis Blues here, because I, if I look at this team here, compared to the, the team when you had, uh, let's see here, backs, you had TJ Oshie, uh, you had, um, let's see here, a lot of guys here, here that you thought that could have won championships here, but you look at this kind of a blues here, this is not the same blues that you feel like here. So what do you think that has worked for, for this blues teams? Yeah, I think the simplest way to put it is uh, they've gone from kind of that rugged team several years ago. Even 2019, I felt like they played physical. Uh, to now they're a little bit more of a skilled team. And whereas I think their defense was the strength in 2019, this year it's more so the offense. I mean, I told Mike this, uh, towards the end of the season, it seemed like every four was on a streak. Every time I wrote a game story, it had something to do with uh, somebody on an eight-game streak, a 12-point streak, so on and so forth. So I really think that balance up front is the difference. Um, You know, in comparing this team to... Other teams, I think there's a lot more skill on this team. I don't think anybody in the league, you know, Mike, Anthony, you think of the Blues, uh, you, you don't think of skill. And uh, not to say that they're, you know, overboard with the skill right now, but there's a lot more now than there used yeah. to be. Yeah, I do think of them now as one of they're a They are deep, too, up front. It's their three lines. We compared those three lines. It's crazy, the balanced scoring that they've yeah. had. And it's not the big, bad Blues anymore, though. It really isn't. It's I think the defensive core can be exploited, but up front, they are something special. Yeah, no David Backus, uh, Ryan Reeves, you know, those types of guys. It's a different Isn't team. it funny, though? We keep on saying that their defense could be exploited, yet they have, what, 17 wins in their last 19 they or do, 20? But, but look, even look at the head-to-head games. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the two in St. Louis both went to overtime tied at five. It's not yeah. like they were just shutting it down. That's right. why last night was – I really felt like the teams would split these first two games, and we were talking at dinner with our producers and everybody last night with making our predictions, and I said, well, I predict the series will be 1-1 when it goes to St. Louis. But I thought both games would be 4-3 to type games. I did not see a shutout happening for either side. No, no yeah. way. Yeah. Anything else, Jerry? Anybody else have questions? Want to come up? Barb. So just one more here. So – Jeremy, did you see any yeah. kind of like a deja vu when the Wild tried to acquire what acquired of, you know, Flurry? Because back then, you know, when the Blues tried to get for Miller, that thought that was the last piece here. And was there any rumor that, you know, Budweiser was going to make anything here just to make Miller time? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, I know you, you do think of uh, the Miller, Ryan Miller situation when uh, Minnesota got Flurry. And, you know, typically those haven't worked, right, when they bring yeah. in the, the goalie at the trade deadline. And that certainly Almost didn't work never, with yeah. uh, Ryan Miller. Yep. I think last one was Hudobin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barb. Hi, guys. How's um, Heather? I just wondered what you thought of the penalty shot 
call last that night. That was a terrible call. Terrible. I thought okay. it was terrible. I just can't believe that that Yeah, was, I mean, it, yeah. it just yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I think he I, knew it right when he made it, the way he skated the bench. I okay. like Jake Brank, but that was a rookie moment, I think. He I don't, okay. And when he announced it, he looked, he looked nervous. I don't know if I should admit this, but I saw the hook, and so I looked down, and I was doing my business. I didn't even know he called a penalty shot. Yeah, it was weird. I looked up like, what? what? The, what? He didn't like do yeah. the emphatic point to the – if that was Kelly Th Sutherland, and everybody in the arena would have known. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it was not a great call. And, and then just, just – And before – you know what was really funny? Because I was looking at the bench, and Dean was about to go crazy, and by the time he, he was about to go crazy – Flurry had made the save. It happened that quick, and then Fleury, and then Dean was like just kind of like settling himself down, but he was ready to explode, and then he just sort of like chilled himself out. Well, in hindsight, hilarious. the way their the penalty kill matched up against yeah, St. Louis are probably better off thing. giving him a penalty yeah, shot. Right. They should do that every freaking uh, penalty. That <laughs> well, should be a rule. A Wild should be able to, you know what? Just let Tarasenko take the shot. Let's we'll just take our chances there instead of uh, letting the piranha shoot. And, and then just, just so overall, like the number of penalties that were called last night, I mean, well, do you I think mean, that's going to be, and it's going to be, you know, kind yeah, of. I mean, again, every referee team, it, it's not the same referee team. So right. tomorrow's rest might have a different standard. Yep. Um, but I, I um, you know, let's put it this way. There's nothing Wild fans can complain about about the officiating yesterday. I mean, nothing. Uh, you know, the Wild had four straight power plays to take control of that game right. at one point, right, Anthony? It was in four? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think every call they made was a legitimate call. I except thought, the penalty shot. Except the penalty shot, and uh, you could even argue that was a penalty, let alone a penalty shot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there some, there's always scrums where they, for some reason in this scrum, decide to take one guy, yeah. and this one they just even yeah. it up. And, and that, to me, is always a little hit or miss, but... The one, the one thing I though, I want to just one thing that I will say about the penal, the penalty shot is that you cannot hook the you you cannot hook the stick. You could lift the stick, right? Which so, is what he basically did. Right. He went but, underneath but, the yeah, stick. But, but the way that the way that like Dean explained it today is like, well, we hooked the stick, not the and it, like to me that's actually you can get called for hooking the stick. You can't just right if you, you know, go over the top yeah, of it. Yeah. If, tapping yeah, but it, up it was from it, yeah, it was not a great call. No. At a minimum, it wasn't penalty shot. Any other questions? Or we're going to wrap up the show. Jeremy, any f closing thoughts? What do you no. think of Minnesota? What, what are you, what's your prediction for the rest of the series? I predicted the Wild in seven uh, going in. So you were on the money there. Yeah. I picked a, predicted the Wild in six, so got a little work to do. Um, I had picked the Wild in six, but I, I thought it would be 1-1 one, one when we left St. Paul, and I thought it would be 2-2 two, two when, when we come back from St. Louis after game four, and, and yeah. then, then I, we'll uh, see. Um, yeah, I think I only predicted six so we can go back to Palmano's between five and six. Uh, <laughs> well, we are going there between yeah, two and three. Yeah, we're going to Palmano's on uh, two to three. That'll be a fun one. Thursday night. Um, the uh, um, God, what was I about to say? Hmm. Anybody? How much you like me? Yeah. I'm trying to think. There was some I had great, Just great general point. positivity, have I, I'm have sure. I, have I pointed out that I, don't, I haven't done it. I, I never, ever remember to point out there were going to be a Tuttles. Uh, so, like, I always, I always want to, at the very top of the show, promote our next show. Our next show is actually going to be between games four and five, God willing. Um, but May 9th at Tuttles, 7 p.m. We were at Tuttles last week. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, Bill Guerin was there. Um, 
I'd like to think it was you and me that brought in that crowd, but yeah, I don't I think, think it was. I think most of them were there to see us, and Billy just happened to stop by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that was an ex- excellent show. It was a lot of fun as well. Um, and an excellent dinner that followed at yeah, Baltimore. We, yeah, we went to Baltimore after. That was good. The wine was flowing. Um, but, yeah, it was absolutely a blast. So May 9th, um, 7 p.m., come out to Tuttles to hang out with Anthony and me. Maybe we'll have another special guest like uh, Luke Korak or oh, something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so... Um, but I, I do want to say, uh, Jeremy is one of my closest friends uh, in the business. Uh, he and I went through the recruiting process at The Athletic together. Um, we, we both, uh, it was a stressful, stressful August. And you got early. recruited, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I recruited him. Um, I still remember pacing outside this hotel in San Francisco telling him the next morning, we're going. <laughs> and you're like, what? Uh, and then a couple days later, you quit the St. Louis Dispatch and I left the Strib. And here we are almost five years later, and we're covering our third Wild Blues series together, but first as teammates with The Athletic. So hopefully if you're an Athletic subscriber, you definitely check out the Blues page to read all of Jeremy's incredible coverage. His Perron feature today was awesome. His Nick Letty feature a couple days ago was awesome. And then I guarantee you the Huso story that I'm sure is up right now is awesome. If you have trouble sleeping, read it. (laughs) So uh, thank you very much for coming out again May May 9th at Tuttle's. Uh, Anthony, thanks for coming. Always. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed your golf game today. I enjoyed Um, the back nine, not so much the front. Thanks to our incredible sponsors, uh, uh, obviously Tuttles and Grain Belt, uh, Royal Credit Union. Kowalski is profiled by Sanford Aquarius, a local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Christendahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Minnesota Propane Association. Thanks to everybody for coming out. Appreciate it. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. All oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Boom! Just like explosion.